From Parkway Church in Kurana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. Uh, well, good morning, everybody. Welcome again to the Parkway Church. And I'm in, I'm in a really deep, pensive thought this morning. Kind of got derailed a little bit with some announcements there, but we love Pastor Zoe and, and her, her passion. It's just awesome. But I'm in a deep, pensive thought this morning, um, and I wasn't planning this at all, but I just, you know, as we come, we're coming to a close in our series, Not Today, Say, and we're going to be talking about prayer in just a moment. But I'm, I'm mindful of the fact, and maybe you are, maybe you're not, that our spiritual enemy is working overtime to thwart God's plans for you this morning. And so I believe God has a purpose for you this morning. I believe that as we come, we're going to end the service with some prayer. And I believe that God wants to break down some walls. I believe he wants to bring some healing. I, be- I believe he w- wants to restore and reconcile. I believe he just wants to touch your heart. But I believe that there is also an enemy that's going to do everything in his power to stop you from just being present in that moment. You know, that song that we sung, Lean Back, that idea of breathing deep, and Pastor Zoe talked about the oxygen in our lungs. The scriptures say that we have breath in our lungs because of God, that he holds our breath in his hands, right? And so just being in God's presence in prayer and breathing him in. Like if you could take a deep breath, like, think, like just do that for a moment. Take a deep breath. As you do that, you're breathing in the presence of God. Because that breath does not exist without his say-so. Daniel tells us in the book of Daniel that he holds it in his hands. And so I just, I just really believe that the enemy is going to do everything in his power to distract you from actually receiving from God in moments of prayer after the service today. But can I encourage you before we even get started to just put that deceptive thought out of your mind and make a commitment that if people are going to dive in a little deeper in prayer, I'm going to also that I'm going to be present in prayer. Just being present in prayer. And sometimes that doesn't mean that you got to speak anything. You just got to be there. I think it was Mother Teresa who was once interviewed, and they asked her, you know, what do you say to God? What do you ask for when you pray? And she says, I don't say anything. I just listen. And then they're like, oh, okay, so what does he say to you? And she says, he doesn't say anything. He just listens. And it's the idea of just being present with God. Powerful things happen. Amen? So I want you to stand with me. We're going to read the scripture today, Ephesians chapter 6. One last stand, maybe not. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 to 18 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep praying, on, praying for the Lord's people. 
Let's bow our heads. Father, we just thank you for this morning, God. We thank you that your presence is not just here with us, that we believe it to be so, but God, we can sense and feel your presence this morning. Your presence is tangible. And Lord, I pray that as we turn our attention to this final discussion, looking at this text from Paul and your word that is alive and active, would you speak to each of us very clearly? Would you speak to us about the battles and the struggles we face? Would you speak to us, God, on how to overcome those battles? Would you draw us nearer, I pray? Open our hearts to receive from you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. And I pray against the enemy, Lord. I pray against his schemes. I pray against his deception. I pray against his tactics. I bind him in the name of Jesus. And anything, any foothold he has, any stronghold he has over a mind or a heart, over a person, over a relationship, over a family, Bind that in the name of Jesus. And I just release, God, your freedom, your spirit to move and setting hearts free, setting people free to follow after you, to receive healing and wholeness in your presence. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. So we're in this final talk in this series. We've been talking about the armor of God, Paul's discussion on how to arm ourselves in our day-to-day struggles because what the scriptures reveal is all that there is is not all there is. There is more to reality than meets the eye. According to the scriptures, there is in God's created order a spiritual realm where spiritual beings exist, where God's throne dwells, and and that realm interacts and intersects and overlaps with our physical realm that we are a part of. What happens there impacts here. Paul said it this way. Our struggles are not against flesh and blood. Not against people, your spouse, your kid, your coworker, your boss, that cashier, the person in line in front of you, the car in front of you. It's not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, powers of this dark world and spiritual forces in the heavenly realm. In this heavenly realm, scriptures reveal to us that spirits are created to administer God's rule and reign, and the ones that are obedient are called angels, but there are also those created by God but rebelled against God. We call them demons. Their leader is the devil, the Satan, our spiritual adversary. And these demonic forces work against God and scheme against us. And we can have kind of one or two ways when we approach the devil and demons and spiritual warfare. On the one hand is we can completely dismiss it, disregard it. And these are the two extremes we do not want to walk towards. We completely dismiss it, disregard it. We think of this whole conversation we're having is a bunch of ridiculousness. Oh, here he goes, pastor again, talking about that text. I'm going to snore through this one until we get to the good stuff. On the other end is we obsess about the devil. We give him too much authority, too much mental space. But the balance is coming in the middle, remembering that greater is he that is in me than he is in the world, that he does not have the same. He's not on par with God. They're not yin and yang. Okay, He's not God's equal. Know that. I think one of the greatest deceptions the enemies put in our minds, even as believers, is that God is here and the devil is here. No, Nuh-uh. no, not today, Satan. God is over all things. The devil is a created being who has fallen and desires to be like God. But greater is he that is in me than he is in the world. He is under my feet. Remember that song? He's under my feet. 
So the balance is not giving him too much authority and, and mental space, but knowing that he is scheming against me, that he is working against me. But ultimately, these, these forces were defeated by the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross and the resurrection when Jesus took all authority and removed the power of sin. So now we, we fight from a place of victory, and they fight from a place of defeat. The enemy knows he's lost. He's just trying to bring as many people with him. So Paul calls us in this text, we've been looking at this over a number of weeks, to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power by putting on the full armor of God. And this last leg, this is the last conversation today, but in the last couple weeks, we've been talking about the weaponry we use to fight back, to strike against this enemy. Paul says, take up the sword, which is the word of God. And we discussed that last week. The word that God speaks, spoken from our lips. Because when God speaks, things happen. And when God's people speaks God's word, things happen. Now, you think that would be enough, right? Boom. Here's your sword. Boom. Strike against the enemy. Speak some scripture. Boom. And we got our defensive piece of equipment. We got our armor right? We're ready for battle. We take up our sword. You know, the gates open up. There's the battlefield. He says, charge, go on. But that's not what Paul does. He presses pause because there's one more piece that we need to address, and that is prayer. Before you go and fight, he calls us to pray. John Bunyan said it this way. He says, you can do more than pray after you've prayed. But you cannot do more than pray until you've prayed. In the Old Testament stories, if you go back to the Old Testament, the stories of Israel's kings, there's an element to the battle that God consistently reveals. It's not their battle. It's not a battle that is won, like a physical battle. is not won in their strength and in their ability to overcome, but the battle belongs to the Lord. We sing a song now about that. The battle belongs to the Lord. And if they sought him in that physical battle, if they sought him before they entered that physical battle, they would be victorious. David, you know, King David knew this from a young boy. When he squared off against the Goliath, the giant Goliath, he stood before him and he said, you come before me with a spear and a javelin and a sword, but I come to you in the name of the Lord Almighty. And the whole world will know today that there's a God in Israel. And then he says this, he says, where does it say? He says, and then all who gather here will know that not only, it is not by a sword or a spear that the Lord says, for the battle is the Lord's. Too often I think in this life, as we think about the, the enemy working against us, as we try to muster up the strength to overcome the enemy ourselves, we use weapons of warfare that our culture gives us. And they're often things like, you have within you the strength self-esteem. It's all these kind of you, 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 you know, self-care books. But we don't have the strength and ability to overcome this, this enemy. And so we need to approach this enemy in a different way. We need to fight this battle, the day-to-day -day struggles. That's what he's talking about, right? Our struggles, our day-to-day -day struggles a different way. Just like David who stood before Goliath. Yes, he had a sling and he had some stones, but he did not say, I come before you with some sling and some stones, and I'm a little bit further away, and so when I swing this really fa fast and I hit your forehead, you're going to fall. That's not what he said. That's what he did, but that's not what he said. 
He said, I come before you in the name of the Lord Almighty, and the battle is his. I don't fight the same way. I fight differently. I fight differently. If the kings and people turned to the Lord in prayer, if they sought the Lord, the outcome of the battle shifted. It says of Uzziah, as he took the throne at a young age, as long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. As long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. When we pray in spiritual warfare, we're asking the Lord to intervene, to be a part, to come alongside, to save, to deliver, to make a way, because he stands victorious and the battle belongs to him. Nothing in this world or in the spiritual realm, and this can open up a whole worm of conversation, but nothing happens without God's say-so. So Paul says, take up the sword, the word of God, and pray. Pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. If you follow the New Testament, the Gospels, you follow the stories of Christ, you look at the disciples, the teachings of Jesus, you get into the New Testament writers, Paul, Luke, Paul, Peter, John, prayers foundational to a life with God. It's integral to what it means to be a person of God. Prayer is what separates those who walk with God, walk with the Father, walk with the Son, walk with the Holy Spirit from those who just believe there is a God. There's a lot of people in church today who believe there is a God, but they don't walk with God. And prayer is what separates that. Prayer is what separates the soldiers from the bystanders. Prayer is what separates the warriors from the crowd. Prayer is the avenue in which we commune with and get close to God. It's how we connect with the Holy Spirit. Richard Foster said, prayer catapults us into the frontier of the spiritual life. And Paul says, in this battle, in the fight against forces of darkness that advance against us and fight against God, stand firm and pray. 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 He says, first, pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit here, meaning the Holy Spirit, not my spirit. And the Spirit could mean a number of things if you look throughout the Scripture. It's always good to look throughout Scripture, see what things mean, right? As you read something, what, what is Paul saying here? What does this mean elsewhere? In the Spirit, um, when John was, had the vision of Revelation, Jesus was standing in the middle of the seven churches John says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, meaning he was in the presence of God. Now, we're always, in a sense, in the presence of God. God is everywhere. We can't escape his presence. You can't go anywhere from God. So what is he meaning? That in prayer and worship, he's fixed and focused on the Holy Spirit. His, his attention is undivided. What was he doing at that time? He was in communion with God not going about his day with the Lord, with him, but I'm in this moment present in his presence. I'm present in his presence in the spirit. And that's when God spoke to him. That's when he was taken in a vision and given the vision of revelation in the spirit. Prayer in the spirit also reminds us that prayer is not just our work, but it's a work of the spirit. The Spirit moves us to pray, He helps us to pray, and He empowers us to pray. Prayer is partnership with God. Prayer aligns our heart with Him. 
In the kingdom of God, one of the ways God moves history forward is through the prayers of the saints. God has willed that the prayers of his people should be part of the process by which the kingdom of God moves and advances. God and his sovereignty before life existed purposed that prayers would move his hand and accomplish his purposes. I don't know why. But in his sovereignty, he's decided that your prayers will move his heart and move his hand. And you see this peppered throughout Scripture. It's only possible through the Spirit of God, though. Because without the Spirit in me, I would not be a person of God. Right? Romans chapter 8 tells us that anyone that does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Christ. Know this. This kind of like grinds my gears a little bit. We are all God's creation, but we are not all God's children. Just because someone exists on the planet does not mean that they are God's children. They are God's creation whom he loves dearly. But those who are in Christ, who have the spirit of Christ in them, are God's children. We're adopted into the family. Because of the fall, we've all been separated. We've taken off, so to speak. Prodigal son running wild, doing our own thing. But we get adopted into the family through the through belief and faith in Christ and by the grace of God, the Spirit comes and dwells within us. Therefore, we are a child of God. I can proclaim I'm a child of God because His Spirit lives in me, not because I'm a human being on this planet. I'm created by God. I'm a child of God through the Spirit of God. And when His people, His children pray, He moves. He moves. We see it in Abraham and Moses, the kings, as they prayed, it moved God's hand. In Revelation chapter 8, John, in his vision, watches as the Lamb, Jesus, breaks open the last of the seven seals. And it says this, when he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and the seven trumpets were given to them. Another angel, who had a golden censure, came and stood at the altar He was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all God's people on the golden altar in front of the throne. Prayer is a pleasing aroma to God as incense is to an altar at worship. When we face off against spiritual forces, often we feel like, I feel like there's little I can do, but I can pray to him who has mighty power. And who has determined in his sovereignty that my prayers would move his heart and therefore move his hand. Someone once said this, prayer is a relational exchange where we join with God to put the world to rights. God is already at, at work and he's already moving. And so when I pray, I align myself with what he's doing. Another one said, we are not passive set pieces, but active participants with God in the writing, direction, and action that happens. Prayer is taking our role as prayer agents, joining with them, directing the course of the world. So praying in the Spirit means I partner with God in His work. I think another thing that Paul could be pointed to here is praying in the gift of tongues. Now, I don't want to get into this extensively. We, we did a series at the beginning of this year on prayer, and we talked about contending prayer and accessory prayer, and we talked about tongues. But elsewhere, when Paul speaks of praying with the Spirit, it's in reference to the gift of tongues. 
First Corinthians chapter 14, Paul is addressing a problem with the church in Corinth. They were overusing and abusing this gift corporately without thinking about who was listening. And so Paul begins to instruct them and correct them and tells them that if we're going to use this gift corporately out loud so that others can hear, then we must pause and give way for the gift of interpretation so that the church can be built up and edified, right? Otherwise, we just hear it, but we don't know what's being said. We're either like, oh, I don't know what that means, or we're like, that. If, we're, if we don't have a background in charismatic circles, we might think, well, that's a little crazy. Someone explain to me what's going on. Pastor, get up on the stage here. Help. But Paul is instructing them on a problem that they had that they overused it. We don't have that problem today. We have the opposite problem. We shy away from it. And then he says this, chapter 14, verse 14, he says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful, so what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I also pray with my understanding. What's he mean? I will pray in tongues, but also pray without tongues. Praying in the spirit in Corinthians here for Paul is praying in tongues. He says, I will sing with my spirit, but also sing with my understanding. I will sing in tongues but also sing in not tongues. Tongues is a form of, the gift of tongues is a form of prayer and praise you express to God in a language you do not understand. I don't understand it, but my spirit understands it. My son lately, each night, little Joshua has been praying that he can speak in tongues. And so I said, why are you, why are you like, it was just curious, like it never, never came up. Why are you asking for that? He goes, because I don't want anybody to hear what I'm saying. <laughs> That's not actually the purpose, bud. <laughs> actually, this morning, pre-service prayer, he came with me this morning, and we're, I'm sitting right on this stage and just in prayer, and, and I must have been praying in, in, in tongues a little bit, and all of a sudden, I hear him. I'm, I'm like, what are you doing? He goes, I'm trying to pray in tongues. It's this little guy. What a great way to fight a spiritual battle, especially when we're at loss for words, to pray with and in the Spirit. Maybe you're here and you're like, I don't have that gift. What I say to you is what Paul said to the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. My experience has been that those who seek after the giver persistently, consistently receive gifts from the Spirit. Pursue the Spirit and spiritual things will happen. And know this, that he gives gifts as he determines. You don't get to decide. But I know that Paul says, I wish all of you could speak in tongues. First, pray in the Spirit. Multiple layers to that, I believe. Number two, he says, secondly, pray on all occasions. Other versions say, at all times. Pray, partnering with God to move the hand of God in the Spirit at all times. So I looked that up because it's always good to, and important to look up in the original language what terminology means so that we can get a greater understanding. So I looked up what does at all times on all occasions mean in the original Greek language. You want to know what it means? At all times. On all occasions. <laughs> Everywhere. Every possible time. Not just certain occasions, not just certain times, not just response times after the service on a Sunday morning, not just because the pastor so compels you to or instructs you to or doesn't release you until you do. At all times, 
Not just in a crisis, not just when you don't know what to do, but on all occasions, bad times, good times, times of pressure, times of ease, times of celebration, times of mourning, times of emptiness, times of feasting, in temptation, out of temptation. How, how much more would you be able to overcome the temptations that you face if you prayed beforehand? You anticipated knowing, I'm going to fall short. I often do. When this happens, I, uh, I give in. Maybe I should pray before I enter the battle. Pray at all times, every opportunity. Quiet prayers where you are alone with God in the home or wherever your space is and it's an extended period of time. You set aside 15 or 20 or half an hour or an hour. Pray. On the commute, turn off the radio or maybe pop on some worship music and pray. Before you enter the meeting, pray. When you leave the meeting, pray. When you sit down to eat a meal with your family, pray. When you're done the meal, pray. When the pressure comes, pray. When the church is called to come together and sit in prayer, pray. Before the event, after the event, pray. It's said this way in 1 Thessalonians. It's always a tongue twister for me. 5 verse 17, pray continually. Some versions will say pray without ceasing. And if your understanding of prayer is just me talking to God, then you need to change your understanding of prayer because prayer is communion, right? It's both giving and receiving. It's connection. How do we pray without ceasing? We don't just constantly talk at God. He's going to say, shush, I need to talk to you. You know, I think, I think we as Parkway Church, I'll say this, would exponentially grow in our faith and see a shift and change in how God in, it moves in our life. If every time we got in a prayer moment, we didn't say anything, we just listened. Drastically, I think your faith would change. Because guess what? He knows your needs. Yes, he wants you to bring them to him. He wants to hear them from your mouth. He wants to sense the desperation, but he knows your needs. And he can make sense of a heart that is desperate without words. So if you just sit and you turn your gaze and attention toward him, he's going to know. Why? Because he's God. Right? He's not a person. He's not your spouse. He's not your kid. He's trying to decipher what do they mean by the looks. Body language is like what? 75% communication. I, I can't communicate. I don't understand the body language. That is not him. But if you just sat and you prayed by listening, we sometimes have this, this vision in our head that says prayer equals talking. Wrong. So just prayer equals present in his presence. Pray continually. How do I do that? I'm constantly connected. I'm praying at all times. I have the time alone with God without distraction, which is me and him. I'm in the car. I'm mindful of other cars driving because I don't want to cause an accident. I need to know the rules of the road, my speed, but I'm also in prayer. I'm at work and I'm busy doing the things that I need to do at work, whatever that looks like for you but I'm also in prayer. Someone comes into my office or your office or your workspace. You pray before they come in or after they leave. Someone comes to your mind. Someone sends you a text message at all times. 
pray? When does Paul say to pray in spiritual battle? He doesn't just say before you go out of your house because then you're going to face the struggles. He just says at all times, nonstop. It's not just like if you pictured an army that is going to pass through, you know, a narrow corridor and they're going to see the other army and that's where they're going to square off in combat. It's not like they just, before we get there, guys, let's pray. It's all times before we get there, when we're in there, and when we come out of there. We're just constantly being connected to the source of all things, and that is God. Pray at all times. And when we do, something happens. Maybe not immediately, maybe not visibly, but something always happens when people pray in the Spirit at all times. Why? Because God has purposed it, and he has called, it to, called us to it. And we believe in this church that the scriptures are the inspired word of God. Yes, written by men, but inspired by the Holy Spirit. This is not just instruction from man to a church. This is instruction from God to a church. So what is God telling you to do? Come to me at all times. Come to me, because the battle is mine. Finally, he says, with all kinds of prayers and requests. Pray with all kinds of prayers and requests. It's almost as if Paul is saying nothing is off limits or off the table when it comes to our struggles in spiritual warfare. Everything is available. I invite the worship team to come. Need a miracle? Pray for it. Need a job? Pray for it. Struggling mentally, pray for relief. You say, I can't. I just, I'm not mentally there. I can't even focus. Well, God can make sense of a tear shed in his direction. Succumbing to temptation, pray to see the door out. Too much on your plate, pray for wisdom and relief. Parenting young children and you're overwhelmed, pray for strength and inner joy. Pray for leaders and pastors and MPs and prime ministers, national problems, global problems, large things, small things. He's a good father. Bad fathers don't care about the little things good fathers do. When my son comes to me and he wants to show me this little Lego creation he's made, I don't really care about it. But I care about it because it's important to him. Because it's important to him, it's important to me. God, this thing isn't a big deal. I know it's not a big deal. It's just a small thing, but, but he's a good father. He loves you. Right? What does Jesus say of the little children? Let them come to me. So when you come to him as a child with the smallest thing, you're like, I know it's not like so-and-so who's, who needs healing or so-and-so who's mourning the loss of a family. This is, this is small potatoes compared to that. God loves you. And he knows what's best for you. So if it's something that's probably asked for in the wrong motive and intention, he'll just be like, I can't give you a Lamborghini. But he loves you. Large things, small things. Get specific. Get detailed. I saw someone the other day that asked, that said that their mother had prayed that their, their colored person would have green eyes. 
And everyone said, no, your kids aren't going to have green eyes. They're going to have brown eyes. And then they opened up their eyes, and they were all green. Specific. I'm not saying God's going to answer those kinds of prayers, but you can get specific with them and detailed. Put it all on the table, all kinds of prayers, all kinds of requests. This is the full gamut of everything I need right now, God, everything I want. It's all here. I'm putting it before you. You know, it's Christmas time, and so kids naturally are thinking, well, I shouldn't say all kids, my kids, thinking about Christmas morning, right? Gifts, the things that they want. There is a plethora of things that come across their mind of things that they want. And they make sure one way or the other that we hear them. You know, sometimes it's kind of subtle. They're actually at the age now, they're young, but they're at the age now where they try to subtly hint, right? Oh, I would really like, like this. They don't actually ask for it. They just suggest it, right? Just put it all on the table for the Lord. Bring it all before him. Paul is telling the church that we come to battle prayed up, in prayer, with prayer, at all times, in every way, and that changes things because the battle belongs to him. The battle belongs to him. And when we pray, the powers and the principalities of darkness begin to change. When we pray, we go over the heads of those powers to the one who is head over all things. It's as if we're saying to them, yes, you think you have ground here and you may have gotten a foothold, but I'm going to your boss. I'm going to your creator and he's my dad. <laughs> You know the little kid that's like getting bullied at school? And he's like, I'm going to go tell my dad. I'm going to go tell my dad. Our spiritual enemy knows this. He knows that prayer aligns our heart with God. He knows that prayer moves God. And so he will do everything to stop you from praying. He'll make you too busy. And he'll make you believe that you're too busy. He'll make you believe you're too tired. Because he knows that prayer moves us to the center of spirituality. Prayer brings us into great intimacy. And so if he can stop you, how oh, you're too tired today, start tomorrow. Tomorrow will be easier. And he sounds really smart, right, when the enemy talks? It's way easier if you just do it another time. Like, you just need to rest. Doesn't the scripture say rest? And he uses the scriptures against, yeah. Oh, you know, that's a lot of work. You just need to turn on the TV and veg because it's been one of those days. Am I right? You're like, yeah, it has been one of those days. He'll keep you out of prayer because he knows it's a weapon that can be used against him and his tactics and his schemes. So Paul charges us in this battle at all occasions in the spirit, be in prayer. The devil will keep you out of it. God is calling you to it. The devil will do everything in his power to stop you from praying. God is charging us in his scriptures that this is the one thing that's going to move my hand. It's going to change the game. Yeah, you can know all the scriptures in the world. You can have faith. You can have peace. You can have right actions. But when you pray, you bring in the champion. Do you know the story of David and Goliath? I love this story. 
And I think too often when it's preached and when we hear it, we put ourselves in the position of David. We say, we got to be like David and we got to stand before our giants. The reality is we're like the army. Like we cower in fear before our giants. And David is a type of Christ who stands before our giants for us. And so when I pray, I'm calling in the David. I'm calling in Christ and saying, I can't stand before this giant anymore, but I know you can. I'm calling in Christ. Because these day-to-day struggles, as much as sometimes they're small and insignificant, they will set us off course very easily. So what does God call his people to do? Pray, pray, pray. You see this modeled in the early church at all times. They prayed. They were people of prayer. So what we're going to do is we're going to conclude with a time of prayer. And not just me closing in a prayer for you. And then we can scuttle on. The team's going to lead us in a, in a song of worship, and we're just going to come into God's presence and be present. And the temptation is going to be for you to dip out early. You know, the, the message is done, so now the service is done, so then I can go. Don't, because the message is not done. I'm done talking, but now we're going to give room to God to talk. And he's got a message for you. And so here's my, my encouragement, whether you, whether you come to the altar, because that helps you engage in his presence, where you, whether you stand with arms high or you stay seated. Maybe you bow your head. Maybe you're loud. Maybe you're quiet. Don't let the, the nice piano right now, it's nice and soft and the atmosphere is nice and soft, kind of set you in that mode unless that's what God wants for you. But just do what you got to do to get present in his presence and bring it all before him. All kinds of prayers requests. Maybe for you, that means you just need to be quiet and not say a word. And that's so important at times. Maybe for you, that means you bring everything. You bring the job to him. You bring the situation. You bring the crisis. You bring the person. And then you bring the next person. And then when you're done that, you bring the other person. And you just bring all, just every person you think of, you just bring them right now before him in prayer. You're like, well, I don't know what to say. Just say their name. Lord, Jody, he knows, but bring it all before him, the joy, the problem, the struggle, the cheerfulness. We are going to be present in his presence. Amen? We're going to breathe him in. We're going to let our being, our mind, our heart, our spirit, every ounce of us just be present in his presence. Let the spirit fill us and lead us as we pray. Like you would if you were on a holiday and you sat on a beach, or maybe for you that's going on an adventure and enjoying the, the ex, you know, excursion. You're just going to be present in the moment with him. And right now it's in prayer. Speaking to and hearing from. So I'm not going to tell you to stand, but you can stand. And I'm not going to tell you to come, but you can come. But I want to challenge you to do whatever it takes for you to be present. Father God, we just commit this time to you. We're setting aside right now intentional moment just to be a church, Parkway Church, to come before you in the struggle and in the battle, 
knowing there is an enemy, God, advancing against us as individuals and as a church. He's got schemes. He's got plans. He's looking to steal, kill, and destroy. He's looking to devour. He's trying to get a foothold, a stronghold. But we come right now with this weapon of warfare, just being present, God, in your presence this morning. Jesus, I pray you would speak and you would move. God, maybe there's a situation that needs healing. You'd heal, reconcile, fill, save. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message brought you closer with Jesus and gave you a better understanding of your walk with him today. If you would like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church.